Welcome in to Chicago's College Tailgate. Tyler Aki and Shane Norling, we're getting you ready for college football season right around the corner. You know, Shay, we do have a football game tomorrow. The Hall of Fame game gets going. You have a play for us? Give us a play real quick. No, Hall I don't of Fame game. I yeah, you don't, do. No, don't I don't. Don't act like you don't have a play on I the Hall don't. of Fame game. I don't. Listen, as big of a degenerate as I am, nobody's getting me to bet preseason NFL when I'm going to get, like, maybe – what two series out of Dorian Thompson Robinson and then God knows what from the uh from the Jets. I don't need it. You know I, what I don't need to get involved. You know what my philosophy is on games like this? Take the dog. It's not a real game. Take the dog. It's my same philosophy in all star games. Take the dog. You're gonna win more often than you don't in these fake games. Well, isn't there also some number out there about the Hall of Fame game goes under and it's gone under every? It's like Air Force and uh, <laughs> or Army Navy. Yeah, yeah. It just always goes under. <laughs> you can't make a number low enough. No, dude. Here's my advice to anybody gambling: Don't bet preseason football. Just don't do it. There's no reason. They say you, that's where the sharps make their money, though. Uh, get the f- no it's not where the sharps make their money you're not a sharp you're just not a sharp Listen, you don't know I, ball i did very well in the nfl last year i didn't need the hall of fame game to do it <laughs> don't bet preseason football i'm telling you they're begging you to do it you don't have to do it all right you've you've wait tyler you have waited since the end early february to bet football you don't need to jump the gun and bet these fake games it's better than betting baseball, I'll tell you that right now. Well, I'm done. I'm any, done. I'm ready to bet some football. Bouncing your head off a bathroom urinal is better than betting <laughs> baseball, but it doesn't mean you should just go bet preseason football either. All right. Save the powder keg. All right, whatever we got you week say. Zero, week zero coming up in 24 days. You're going to blow some of the, the juicy bankroll, the Mardi Gras party bankroll for opening weekends of college football. You want to know? Hall of Fame game. You want to know what I did the other day? Or actually yesterday. Uh, speaking of college football for this year, um, I, I not for myself, but for someone else, bought tickets for the um, Northwestern Iowa game at Wrigley. Oh, I had my little uh, had my little pre-sale through the Cubs, and uh, I got my I got my buddy some tickets for uh, Northwestern and Iowa. So uh, that is grotesque. That is uh, it was <laughs> that is nasty business. It is, it is a nasty game. Did you looked, feel dirty hitting the button? No. You want to know why? Fees were not as bad as I thought they would be. I, I and again, I'm. It's not my money. I was just placing an order for someone that I knew wanted them. Um, he's like, hey, can you get me these? I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And I was like, you know what? I thought the fees were going to just kick my ass on this. No, fees were 95 bucks for four tickets. I think the, the base was 600 and 95 on fees. I thought it was going to be like 120 150 on fees. That's not terrible. Is he an Iowa grad? Why is he going to this game? I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> he's not an Iowa grad. He just wants to see football at just Wrigley Just wants Field, to see football at Wrigley, I guess. Where it was meant to be played. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. I, what, nothing about that interests me, but I guess that's beside <laughs> the point. I would have felt like a scumbag hitting the button, even if the tickets weren't for me. Uh, the one trip I want to make this year is to Columbus. I'd like to see which game? the shoe for the first time. Michigan State at Ohio oh. State. Uh, November 11th, my birthday weekend. That's the right. one trip I want to make this year because I want to see the shoe. And I figure I might as well go in and see my team lose by 50. Because <laughs> What, you know, what an not? intro, right? What an intro to the horseshoe. All right. 
Let's get going here with what's going on in the world of college football because this has been quite the week. Uh, Usually these are just conference previews that we've been doing, but we try to splash in a little bit of college football news. And the biggest thing going on right now is the word that we have heard pretty much every offseason now for the last, what, two, three years? And that is realignment. It has come to the forefront once again with the Big Ten looking to expand even further westward. Lewis and Clark would be very proud of what they are doing right now. Manifest destiny. Already with USC and UCLA in the bank starting next season. And now they are looking at more Pac-12 teams amid some of the instability that seems to be striking the conference right now. So the Pac-12, and again, the Pac-12 is losing Colorado. They're going back to the Big 12. Um, and now you got teams like Oregon, Stanford, Washington. A number of these Pac-12 teams now seem, seem like they're open for business. And this is a, a really big deal because, I mean, you asked me before we hit record on this, how many more years until the Pac-12 is no longer a conference? Um, maybe like three. What, they lose USC, UCLA in all competition next year? Mm-hmm. It feels like Washington and Oregon are just a moment and then they're gone. Like, that's a when, not if scenario. Mm-hmm. Feels like Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah to the Big 12 could be a when, not if scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, this conference at this point, it like, people laughed at me, man, when I said, when. First, when Texas and Oklahoma made the move to the SEC, and then when the next domino fell with USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, I said this is the beginning of we're going to have the AFC and the NFC, the Big Ten and the SEC, maybe somehow in one of the greatest comeback stories in sports history, it becomes three mega conferences <laughs> and the Big 12 against all odds is one of them. Uh, but I, I do think like... This is the future of the sport. USC, UCLA relocate. Washington and Oregon are next. It feels like Notre Dame is at some point going to be stripped at least of independence in football. I know the ACC wants them in as a football member, but they've now got realignment issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida State signed, like hang a for sale sign on your neck and start getting in the Big Ten's DMs. Um, like, the Pac-12 feels dead. The ACC feels like it's starting to fizzle because that TV deal is a disaster. Nobody can make any money on, and they're all locked in for 13 more years. Best of luck. One of the worst deals ever made, by the way. The ACC network deal, the the TV deal, unbelievably atrocious. Everybody shares the revenue, so the big schools get to lose all the money on it. Uh, it, it just... The ACC feels like it's headed for disaster because, remember, it's a TV deal that failed that is killing the Pac-12 right now. They believe that they can hang on to their 10 charter schools. I doubt it since it feels like four of them at least are already gone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I don't know how many years the, pa- the Pac-12 has left, but I do know... Like, if you laughed at me before when I told you that this sport was going the way of mega conferences and we weren't going to see the structure that we've seen, I, I, I bet you aren't laughing now because this is it feels where real. this sport's going. Here's one of the, the things that I'm looking forward to with this. And some, I want to ask you this. I want to run this by you. All right, so you hear Washington's name lumped in this. Oregon, I get, right? Oregon's the big Nike school. 
They've got all the Nike ties, Phil Knight, and all that stuff. How are Arizona and Arizona State catching the raw end of this deal? Don't they feel like the bigger brand than Washington? Like, Arizona State is the largest public school in America. Arizona is, I don't know what the numbers are on them, but that is a another large institution there. Um, if I'm the Big Ten, why, why aren't you knocking on Arizona and Arizona State's door? Because I feel like that's a valuable commodity to have in your conference. You know, I've wondered that about the brand with Washington, and it does feel like they're a bigger football brand than either of those schools. But, like, For overall... Sure. I don't know that Washington, like as a university, is bigger than either of them. Uh, but it feels like their life raft is coming in the form of the Big 12, right? Probably. You'd imagine, like, it makes more sense, I think, to have them in the Big 12. But, like, if I'm the Big 10, and again, the Big 10 only does things for their bottom line, doesn't Arizona and Arizona State make a little more sense just based off, based off of sheer volume? You would think, I mean, are they, Arizona State, you're, is either school an academic bastion? Like, I know Arizona State's a freebie. Anybody yeah. can get in there. Pulse Academy, as I like to call it. You, you touch the wrist, you feel a little something, and then, boom, <laughs> that's your acceptance letter right there. That, like, the, the Big Ten prides themselves on this AAU deal, and I get that that's been super important to them. But now you've got Florida State, not an AAU member. They were like very publicly rejected by the AAU and in favor of Southern Florida. Florida State doesn't get in. And you're going to have probably West Virginia start banging on your door. Like At some point, if we go the route of the mega conferences, the Big Ten's going to have to make a decision. Do we want to prioritize the academic standards of the universities that we have, or do we just want to make money on football? And if you just want to make money on football, Arizona, Arizona State seem like prime candidates. But if you do want to hold some, I don't know, fake idea that tradition means anything to you, then you can hold the door shut on Arizona and Arizona State and let Washington and uh, Oregon in maybe make a run at Notre Dame and go from there. And then you get to at least hold on to this idea that we are academically superior as well as mm -hmm. athletically superior. But I don't know if that's going to be as as important as money when the landscape comes full circle and push comes to shove. If you're the Big Ten, I think you're just trying to do like the the one for one, right? Like you, you ever go to those parties in college where like you, if you were going as a guy, you had to bring a girl too just to keep the ratio yeah. even. Like we can allow one elite institution and we can allow one Pulse Academy. It's got to be a one for one through that door at a time. <laughs> We'll welcome you, Florida State, but you got to have Clemson in your pocket. We, 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 got, we need you to bring some other schools with you, some legitimate universities, please. Yes. Um, okay, so there's that. And then um, Florida State, that part of this here, there was a, a board meeting held today, a publicly streamed board meeting, I believe, too. I, I think I saw a link on Twitter when I was scrolling earlier today. There's a lot of meat on the bone here. What they're doing is astounding. Yeah, so Florida State's trying to defect. I always thought Florida State, if they were to defect, the SEC would be their goal. But it, from a competitive standpoint, I think the SEC fits Florida State more than the Big Ten. But from a revenue standpoint, this is always one of the most fascinating things to me. But the most financially prevalent conference in college sports is the big 10 they've mastered the television deal they now have the nbc deal coming in that's uh kicking into high gear this season so i 
and they also have CBS uh, as well as a part of it too. So like all of this that's that's coming in with the Big Ten now, like it feels like that's the move if you want to make some money and if you're catching the shaft in the ACC with with their television deal, let's usher our way into the, the Big Ten if we can. Well, and the revenue in the Big Ten is the key because did you see the number that's gotten hung on Florida State if they want to break the ACC contract? I did not see that number. What is that number? Florida State's got to pay $120 million if they want to break this deal. So there's a conference out there that can basically subsidize that cost, Mm -hmm. and it ain't the SEC. If you want that done relatively easily, you're a Big Ten member. That would require the Big Ten stripping the AAU requirements. It would, they'd have to bring their uh, academic standards down a little bit to admit Florida State. But financially speaking, I think it makes sense for both sides, right? Like if you're going to get in the business of adding all of these West Coast brands in the name of money and TV networks, why not put your TV on like your network on TVs in Tuscaloosa, in the Panhandle, in other parts of the state of Florida. Why not break into the South a little bit? Like, it just feels like this works for both sides. And the SEC probably can take on Florida State. It wouldn't be as much of a financial boon. And when you have a $120 million price tag to stop losing money in the ACC, I feel like making money becomes really important. And the Big Ten's the best home for that. You know what I wonder, too, with this, and we see it more in professional sports, but there is one collegiate team that does this, and it's Texas with the Longhorn Network. Like, Do we see some of these schools or like some of the regions start to maybe partner up and make their own sort of television deals? Like, If you could get a Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State package – and and like pitch your schools to these like, kind of like what and I guess it, to a degree it's what Notre Dame has too with NBC like do we start to see the marquee networks of college uh, football the yes networks of college football do we start to see that come into play at some point don't we kind of already have them like isn't that basically what the Big Ten network is. Is it, and I know the SEC network, Big Ten through Fox, SEC through ESPN. Is that kind of what they already are? But I'm saying like consolidate it even further, like to the point where it's like Texas with the Longhorn Network, or it's like Notre Dame with NBC, where it's like you're really as a, a part of a, a, an even smaller subsect there. It would be uh, that that would surprise me because I think that the the TV deals from ESPN and from Fox and from CBS and from NBC are so lucrative. And this is a market that clearly is profitable for the networks because they're spending money I don't think anybody believed they even had to get into these Damn. conference deals. Like, you just have to have a commissioner who doesn't sign a bad one. Hello, Pac-12 and ACC, <laughs> who are now dying. Like, the Big Ten has some problematic TV networks deals right now. The Flip side is they have a lot of them. They're signed at CBS, yeah. they're signed at Fox, they're signed at NBC. They're all lucrative. It's just going to mess up scheduling and some of the traditional things like no night games in November. A lot of that's going to go away because they now have to honor so many different TV contracts, but it's still going to make them a ton of money. Like, right. I think these are so lucrative going the route of like marquee network isn't really in the cards especially if you're michigan because i don't know if you've watched a fox big noon kickoff game but that is the university of michigan roadshow they already have their own national network like 
Ohio State's going to be on the three o'clock games almost every weekend. Notre Dame. Do we think Notre Dame re-ups the NBC deal even if they go to the Big Ten or the ACC? Like, now that the Big Ten has a partnership with NBC, don't they find a way around that and just go, you know what, you can be in the conference and we'll broadcast all your games? Yeah, it's certainly interesting. Well, the thing with NBC, too, is that the NBC deal, if I'm not mistaken with the Big Ten, is a Saturday primetime game. It is the night game, if I'm not mistaken. That's why we're now getting night games in November. Like the Michigan State-Ohio State game I want to go to is a primetime 7.30 game, November 11th. It's the first night game in the shoe history in November, part of why I want to go. You've got things like Michigan-Michigan State now is a 7.30 kickoff in East Lansing, which is insane. Um <laughs> That, that, like, if you don't know, traditionally both athletic directors were against putting it in primetime because they don't want the fan bases who are 45 miles apart convening on one of the mm-hmm. universities for an entire day of drinking and debauchery and causing problems. That being a primetime game because of the TV deal is going to be very interesting to watch the fallout of it, like, on campus. A totally different deal, but it, that is something that's really interesting about the NBC deal and the primetime because that's where look, people told me the Big Ten's never going to give up some of these footholds of tradition. Well, they're already throwing some of them. Not going to have a choice at a certain right. point. Yeah. Like, so. I think we've hit the point where tradition's taking a back seat. We're going to start seeing games moved. You're not going to have divisions. Michigan, Ohio State probably aren't going to play Thanksgiving weekend every year. Like Things are going to start to look a little different because they've decided the money is more important. Now, up to you if you're upset about it. Like, How do you feel? Is the sport being ruined Don't a little care. bit? Or? Don't care. As, as someone who... Listen, I, I didn't really get into college football probably... like I, The first college football game I remember watching was the 05 Rose Bowl with Vince Young, Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush. Like that's the first college football game I remember watching. But being in the Chicagoland area, I didn't really get into it probably into like into it into it where I was watching every single weekend maybe until 2011 or so. Um and so like the tradition doesn't mean as much to me. So changing up some of these little nuances of college football to me doesn't really matter. But I get and again, collegiate sports are super, super rooted in tradition. I know this is going to piss off a lot of people, so they're just going to have to deal with it. At the end of the day, that's what it's going to have to be. Well, that's where I'm. Like college football is my lifeblood. Like this is mm-hmm. kind of the sport that made me fall in love with sports, and it's what I grew up on. And living in Southeast Michigan, you have mm-hmm. one of the bigger rivalries in the country. Two schools that care deeply about their athletics. Yeah, this is what I grew up on, and there's a part of me that's like we're losing a little bit of what I love about the sport. There's another part of me that's like I've lost the war. This is happening, and I'm going to have to live with it. But you're going to have to do things differently than you've done them. Like if you're going to can tradition, I can't see. Like Michigan having East Carolina, Bowling Green, and the Sisters of the Poor coming in for the non-con games. You got to schedule somebody or you can't make the college football playoff. Like everybody has to play a non-conference Power Five or you can't make the college football playoff. Everybody's got to play nine conference games. Sorry to the SEC, you don't get to schedule Colgate on November 14th anymore. You got to play people. Like 
if we're going to go the route of the mega conferences and everybody's all in it for the money, well, you can have two games where you go and pay somebody's plumbing, like Eastern Michigan, because they want to do a buy game. That's fine. Mm -hmm. You want to build them a new toilet? Good. But, like, you're also going to have to schedule people. I don't want to see the SEC in this day and age where you're cannibalizing all the Power 5 conferences. You don't get to have Mercer come play in Tuscaloosa in late November to prep for the Auburn game. Like, that... We don't get to do that anymore. That's got to change if we're really going to go this route. Yep, I'm, I'm 100% with you there. Um, one uh, Before we get into our ACC preview here, uh, two little Big Ten nuggets that came out since we last spoke. One we literally got news of right as we ended our last recording when we previewed the SEC. Uh, Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh is suspended for the first four games due to recruiting violations. Um, so he's going to miss the first four games of this upcoming season. Ultimately, don't think it's a big deal. You look at the first four games, East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, you were just shitting on their entire schedule, and now you see Listen. it coming to fruition. You do get a Big Ten game in there, but it's Rutgers, who's probably worse than one of those three teams that you're going to open up with. Yeah, I mean, the suspension doesn't hurt them. I think the most fascinating thing about this Think about guys who have been suspended for four games, like four-plus games, mm -hmm. but short of a full season. How many of them survived? Jim Harbaugh is going to be the first. Like, Urban Meyer got suspended because he was har harboring a bad dude. Mm -hmm. He did not survive. He had medical problems. At the end of that season, we all knew what happened. Like, he he was never going to survive the fallout of that. Um, same school, Jim Tressel. Four-game suspension because Terrell Pryor wanted to get some tats. See ya. You get vacuumed out. You're shot into the sun. Like, Jim Harbaugh is going to be the first guy that I can think of to get slapped with a four-game suspension and a level one violation, and nobody's really going to talk about it because Michigan's going to win those games by 30 each, and then Harbaugh's going to be back on the sideline. He ain't getting fired. Like this, no. he he got a kid a hamburger and lied about it. You shouldn't have lied about it, but it's not going to have any impact on what happens at the school. It's not going to have any impact on what happens with the football program. And you're going to be the only coach that I can think of to get hit with a level one violation and not lose your job. And I think part of it, too, is now the era we're in as well, where we're more upset at the NCAA for handing these penalties down than the coach at this point because we do live in the era of nil and we do live in the era where college athletes do have a level of power at this point like this it feels stupid by the ncaa for handing something like this down like sure there, there's some suspicious stuff in here including like texting outside the dead periods and stuff like that or well, i should again, say during the dead periods but this isn't the hamburger and it's not the texting. And I don't care about any of that. It's the fact that they came to him and said, Jim, did you do this? And he said, no, I didn't do this. <laughs> like, that's where you, if you went, yeah, I bought a kid a hamburger. You probably get fined $100,000 and nobody hears mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. But now you've got a four-game suspension and a level one violation. And the violation is not the texting or the hamburger or any of this stuff. It's he was asked about it and lied. Like, that's the problem. It would have been very simple to just go, yeah, we did this. And by the way, F you, because look at the world we live in now. I can't buy a kid lunch. Like, that would have been the easy way out. This is about the lying, not about the texting. And I get that it's dumb. It's just, it's fascinating to me that he's going to get hit with this and 
there's no reason to to be more angry. Like if this happens in 2010 when it happened to Trestle, Harbaugh's dead. But if this happened what two years ago, Harbaugh's dead, right? Like before Michigan had their little rise to to being Big Ten champions, like they were looking for any which excuse to get rid of the yeah. guy. It felt yeah. like, and then he started winning. And all of a sudden, they cut his salary in half. <laughs> they got him a level one violation after that. Get out. Yeah. So uh, the other piece of news out of the Big Ten, real quickly, we can just hit on this. But there were allegations being brought forth against PJ Fleck for um, just some weird intricacies within the program they're basically favoritism that was being played within the program guys could earn what was it like fleck the fleck bank they could get tokens into the fleck bank because they were doing good things for the team or for the community and then you kind of it was kind of a get uh, get out of jail free card for certain uh violations that you may have committed ultimately this is not a northwestern level situation that we have here but we're just going to continue to see more and more of this stuff come out across college sports, and it's just going to be a varying degree of severity at, at this point. You know what this one is, though? It's a hitch up. Like, when I'm reading this, this is how I honestly felt. This is a hitch up. Like, I like P.J. Fleck. I think he's a pretty good football coach. He's <laughs> he's a weird dude. Weird as can But be, in terms yep. of, like, being a football coach, he's quite literally the best that Minnesota has had in, like, 40 years. And this feels like like kids coming out and going, they got caught drinking, and so they had to run stairs at 6 a.m. You, Yeah. Like, you want me to... F- you did something you weren't supposed to do, and your punishment was working out. That sounds like you play football. Like, newsflash, you play football <laughs> at a Big Ten college. I don't think that that's some huge deal. The weird stuff, is, like if you want to say PJ Flex a weird guy and you don't like him as a person, fine. I wouldn't want to get dinner with him. How are you feeling today? Elite. Like, mm-hmm. I'm out. I don't want anything to do with a guy who has the kids say that. I met a guy who, who played for him, and he said that PJ Fleck literally had every minute of his day scheduled out. Every yeah. minute. But that's college football. That's just college football weirdos. But like, and like those guys are littered everywhere. But he, I don't know. I have never like been a you, row the boat tag. But you're right. Like he is the best Minnesota's ever had. And that's like having your day regimented. That's just college football at a high level. If you want to go play football at Michigan, this is not speculation. This is fact. You don't get to major in certain things. That's like Jim Harbaugh yeah, has, yeah, ta- yeah. He mm-hmm. has talked about he wanted to be a history major, and he couldn't because it would take too much time away from football. That's football. Like, you go to play football in college, your meals are going to be scheduled, what you eat is going to be scheduled. I was talking, no, I, well, I was talking about P.J. Fleck. He literally has every minute of his own day scheduled out. Oh, I'm out. sure. Well, that's he's a weird routine guy. But weird like, guy. Again, that's the program that he wants to implement. And I don't know. I just, everything I read here, it's like the Northwestern deal came out and now people are dropping all sorts of things. Like let's get ours. A former anonymous players going, we had to run stairs because we got caught out drinking late. Yeah. I don't feel bad for you. feels more like justice. <laughs> it's discipline. It's yeah. like you did something you're not supposed to do. And I'm sorry, you play football here. You're not an average Joe student. You don't get the same, like, whatever everybody else gets. You can't go party and have no consequence. You need to be on the football field. We're going to make you run stairs. I don't care about it. It's not a big deal to me. Like, people were trying to cancel P.J. Fleck, and I'm like, stop. 
<laughs> We're not going to fire PJ Fleck for having kids run stairs. Stop. All right, let's move into the ACC preview here because this is a a conference right now that who knows what it's going to look like in a couple of years. But I will say, this may be the best quarterback conference in the entire sport when you look at a bunch of the names and the big names that reside within this conference. Like you've got a couple guys who should find themselves in Heisman contention when things are all said and done here. Now, Clemson is the preseason favorite at the moment based off of the the preseason poll that was conducted at ACC Media Day last week. However, I did a little research on this. Um, As far back as I could find ACC polls, which is 2010, this is the closest margin we've seen in terms of first-place votes for a champion in the ACC that we've ever seen. Uh, Clemson had a 36-vote edge over Florida State, and that's uh, dating back all the way to 2010. Clemson's been the favorite every year since 2017 when Florida State was the favorite that season. But this is as as bunched up as an a- of an ACC as I can remember. And, I mean, there's, there's what, four teams that I think are really in the thick of things this year? Maybe, maybe some will argue three, but you, who knows what Miami could be this year. Well, Miami, I think, could be, if everything goes well, really good because that's another school like Texas A&M who we talked about last week and I told you I'm kind of all in. Mm -hmm. That's another school that bought their team, went out, hit the portal, went out and used NIL and bought their squad. Who's their gym guy again? Do you remember what his name is? He's got the the gym that that all the Miami guys were getting uh, their NILs Um, uh, across sports. It was like... Basketball team, the football team, the Cavender twins, like all, everyone that was getting NIL money was getting it from this guy who owns like some gym. Yeah, um, I can't remember the guy's name. I'd have to look it not up. Not important, but anyway. But it is, it's just that deal where like they have so much talent because they paid for it that they could be really, really good. Um, what I think is fascinating, Tyler, about this conference is we've kind of had some uncertainty about who would be the favorite like Mm -hmm. everybody would assume just off of pedigree it would be clemson again Mm -hmm. but it kind of felt like all the hype going into this was florida state's going to be the favorite to win the conference they might just run the table and win it 12 and 0 they might be a playoff team they might be a national title team um it's been a while since we've seen florida state talked about to quite this degree and really since there's been like you mentioned how bunched up it is and how tight the grouping is at the top it feels like it's been a long time even last year with how bad clemson was for their standards since there's been a legitimate challenger to clemson yeah i was gonna say like if clemson played like they did last year, they're not winning this conference. In fact, they may not finish in the top three. They may not be on the podium for this conference, one, two, or three, if they play like they did last year. So last year felt like a very gettable year in the ACC. And Clemson, they had some challengers. NC State was up there for a little bit. Um, But ultimately, it was... Uh, Clemson that pulled away down the stretch there with some some solid offensive play, seeming like they they finally got a little bit of things figured out there. But let let's start with uh, the Tigers because it, it's weird because they are the ACC preseason pick by the official poll. But if you check like any sort of website that's making their own predictions, it feels like everyone has Florida State as the as the champ out of the ACC, and I would probably align with that as well. Um, Florida State's bringing back an experienced quarterback, but looking at Clemson this year, they were a team that that had vulnerabilities last year, but I think they've, they've shored some things up a little bit. 
um, after losing their two coordinators a couple seasons ago who were two of the top guys that you could get um, on the market that became head coaches, um, the DJ Uyunglele project didn't work out. He's <laughs> since transferred off to Oregon State. Got benched out. in the got benched in the ACC championship game. And I mean, Cade Klubnik. Here's my Cade Klubnik question for you: Are we sleeping on him as potentially the best quarterback in this conference? No. Oh God, no. He could be better than I'm expecting. He ain't Jordan Travis. Like, Jordan Travis, to me, is far and away the best quarterback in this conference. If Cade Klubnik, or excuse me, Drake May, is the best quarterback in this conference, and then we've got Jordan Travis, and then we can, like, start to talk about Cade Klubnik. Is he better than Tyler Van Dyke, even? I would say yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, his limited time playing last year, he looked really good, not just in that ACC championship game. He looked not great, too. But he only played really in two right. games last season. But and, like that's, and, and that to me, it, for him to have, I, I have to go back and look at the exact numbers, but he had a, a very efficient outings last year when he was put into duty. And for a guy who's not taking any reps during the season with the first team, for him to come in, step in, and win an ACC championship like that, that to me was impressive, showed me he's ready. He's a five-star kid. He, he got in the system with an early enroll last year in 2022. He's, so he's got some experience under his belt now, not just with practice, but now with a little taste of, high, I won't call a bowl game a high leverage game, but going up against a, a good Tennessee team last year where, I mean, his offensive line kind of hung him out to dry with the way that he was getting hit in that game. And he still stepped up and made big plays. I'm really high on Cade Klubnik this year, and, and I think he could end up being the best quarterback in this conference. That would absolutely shock me. Like Riley Leonard at Duke, I have ahead of him. He's good. I like I like Riley Leonard. Again, I think this is the best quarterback conference in the country, and quite frankly, it may not even be close. That's for sure true, even if it's just Drake May. I mean, the Pac-12 has, boy, the two most unstable conferences in the league have the, have the best quarterbacks. Pac-12's got Caleb Williams and Michael Penix. ACC's got... Uh, Drake May, Jordan Travis, Tyler Van Dyke, Riley Leonard, Cade Klubnik. The, that, this is the best quarterback conference. I'd just be stunned with how little we've seen from him. Like 700 yards, 61% completions, only two touchdowns, three picks last year. I'd be stunned if he's the guy that rises as the cream of this conference. Could. He, young- he could. He could. He's certainly could. And Clemson returns a ton of starters on both sides of the ball. Like, he'll have experience around him. And that's going to be important because the best Clemson teams, sure, they've had flashy names at quarterback and receiver, whether it was Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, um, T. Higgins, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, they've had the flashy names at the quote-unquote fantasy football positions. But the best Clemson teams have been built in the trenches. They've been the teams that have had – four or five all-conference offensive linemen, three or four all-conference defensive linemen. Like Those are the teams that were the best Clemson teams. And what they've needed now is some stability and continuity. And this is a year that it feels like they're going to get that. And even though it's a a first-year starter in Cade Klubnick at quarterback, I think having the infrastructure around him that's got a little more experience is really going to help this Clemson team. Well, and you think about the last two years of Clemson football, the disaster that 2021 was with DJ Uyakalele, the disaster that last year was again with DJ, mm-hmm. and we'd frame them as disasters because the offenses were so bad, 
But these are teams, like, I think that they make the playoff in 21, and they won 11 games last year. And we mm-hmm. frame last season for Clemson as this total mess. But you forget, like, this is a defense that had Miles Murphy and Brian Brissy and played with the best defenses in the country. If they'd had an offense with a pulse, they yeah. might have made the playoff. Right. And it's been the offense that's held them back these last couple of years. And I think you've got a little more stability. Like we saw DJU get benched a couple times last year and, and Club Nick would come in and, and try his best to win the game. He, he won the game against Syracuse. I'll never forget that one. Like that's one that, that Syracuse had all the way up until the end. And Syracuse has given Clemson probably their best run over the last, what, six years now. They seem to be the one that somehow give Clemson fits. Um, but Club Nick stepped in goes out, leads a drive, wins the game. Um, does it against North Carolina in the the ACC championship there? Like, I think if you give him the full season to start, you could see him be the guy that ultimately makes some noise and, and ends up being an all, all-conference quarterback. And I think being an all-conference quarterback in the ACC means you could probably be a first-teamer in most other conferences. Yeah, I mean, we've run through them enough, but like the predictions here I'm looking at for first, second, third, and fourth team is Drake May, Jordan Travis, Riley Leonard, and Tyler Van Dyke. Like breaking into that grouping, that's a good place to be. I still, I'm hesitant to believe that he can do it. I don't know about what they're working on. Like Garrett Riley coming from TCU should be a good hire as the offensive coordinator, but I just don't know. Dabo without Venables. It feels a little uncertain lately. Like, I'm just not ready to buy back in. I'm a Florida State guy this season. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm somebody that feels like that's a team that can go undefeated. And this is the year for Mike Norvell. Listen, I'm a Florida State guy, too. I think that we talked about continuity with um with Clemson but Florida State's a team that they're bringing back like all ACC dudes left and right it feels like and they've got talent on the defensive line Jared Verse is a guy that I mean he was a freak last year he'll be a freak again this year tough to tough to believe that an FCS guy can transfer up to a school like Florida State who at that time was kind of a dead program trying to resurrect itself yeah. but then comes in from Albany of all places and goes out and is a total game record for them last year and becomes an all-ACC first-teamer, edge rusher. Um, I, I look at Florida State. They've got the more experience at quarterback. Jordan Travis is, I mean, he's been around forever, it feels like. And this is a Florida State team that I get why you look at the the publications across the country, and a lot of them are picking Florida State over over Clemson, even though Clemson's the one that that has the the preseason poll number. Yeah, it just feels like Jordan Travis haven't been there this long. Mike Norvell's fourth year. You know, this is a guy last year people thought would be like the most likely to get fired first in season <laughs> just because it had been such a disaster and it felt like Dion to Florida State was written in the stars. Yep. And then Mike Norvell saved his job and this program's life. And like, you go out and you poach Keon Coleman from Michigan State, the wide receiver, one of the better wide receivers in the country. Just make a good offense better. They've got nine returning starters on defense. They were a good team a year ago. Kind of a surprise. Went out and won 10 games. Some of the metrics even offer that they might have been a little unlucky last year in winning those 10 games. Like, if they can get through the opener against LSU and that big road game at Clemson September 23rd, 
I feel like the rest of this season for them would be a walk. Ready for a win total? Ten and a half? Nine and a half. Heavy I'm juice on the over. over. Yeah, I'm Heavy over. juice on the over, but like assuming health, which again, you can't always assume, but like that feels like a pretty easy over there for a team that's I mean, you bring up the LSU game. I, I think they probably dropped the Clemson game just because it's in Death Valley, but 10 wins seems certainly attainable for this team. And, and now that we're, we're done with the, the stupid divisions too, like a, a Clemson-Florida State would be a, a hell of an ACC championship. Yeah, this this ACC, it's kind of sad that it might be dying because the way it's set It was up getting with, good. like Without were, divisions and what these teams are setting up to be. And what it, these teams are starting to become too. Like UNC... Uh, we can talk about UNC in a second here, but like UNC was a afterthought football program. In comes Mac Brown, the return of the Mac, and all of a sudden they're bringing in five stars left and right. You've got a quarterback who's in Heisman consideration. Like everything is starting to fall together for North Carolina, and are they were sneaky starting to become a little bit of a football school there? Who would have thought of all places it was Chapel Hill? Duke's sort of found a little something because they've been able to get some quarterbacks to come through their program. Like everything was sort Virginia tech has always had a strong football pedigree. Um, Virginia was starting to be a, a program that was on a little, at least not a program on the rise, but a program that was fun to watch because they had an up tempo offense. Like all of these ACC teams were starting to feel like really put something together. And now who knows? It may come to a screeching halt. Yeah. It's just, the more I think about this conference, the more sad I get because it really is like it's one of the natural pipelines for football talent in the country, that yes. coastal region. Mm-hmm. DMV it, coastal, yes. It felt like everything was getting together for this conference. You mentioned North Carolina. It's like three quarterbacks of the last four when you think about Mitch, um, Sam Howell, and now Drake May that have been really highly regarded. Coming mm-hmm. out of North Carolina, which just never used to happen. Uh, NC State got Devin Leary in there. I know he's since transferred out. But it felt like under Dave Dorn, they were finally starting to get things right. and Wake. How about Wake? Program. We, we haven't even mentioned Dave Wake Clawson Forest. With Wake Forest, like turning Clemson <laughs> Wake into a legitimate football rival. Sam Hartman has been one of the most fun players in the ACC to watch in the last decade. And then there's Syracuse and B.C., What's going on there? (laughs) Well, Syracuse had like their pop-up season. Um, And then BC, you know, BC's been a real conundrum to me because if you look, I don't have them all in front of me, but if you look at the recruiting numbers for BC, Jeff Halfley has far out-recruited what the program legacy is. No offense, Tommy Waddle, but he's pulling in some four stars, some really highly regarded three stars. Like that's a program that should have a few more wins over the last couple of years just based on paper and it makes me start to wonder like Halfley is he just a recruiting warrior and that's all he can do yeah and this I'm looking at their recruiting a little bit like the top whatever here you're talking about 13 highly touted recruits signees that Jeff Halfley's brought in and they just the last few years haven't been able to find any success. Six and six, three and nine last year, kind of a disaster year mm-hmm. for Boston College. Um, it's 
this conference, like the top feels so good and the bottom feels so, so bad. When you talk about BC and Virginia Tech, where they are, Georgia Tech, forget about it, uh, and, and Virginia it's interesting to have both sides of that same coin in this conference. It is a little Big Tenish, where it's kind of top heavy, and then the rest is terrible. But like, wouldn't you offer if you put the Big Ten up against the ACC and said, "Give me your six best teams"? Like if if they did a Big Ten ACC challenge in football, right? But if it's like line up your six best teams, and right. you don't get to bring the rest, the ACC smoking them. Like Michigan, Ohio State probably yeah. walk, but I can go deeper in the ACC yes, I think, than can. I could in the Big Ten. No After doubt. Penn State and Maryland, it's kind of a wasteland. And, and, and listen, even Maryland, like Maryland has promised, but haven't they haven't delivered yet, right. results. Like we've seen some results a little bit out of uh, a team like North Carolina and Miami and even Duke. And how about Pitt? Like Pitt's had some good seasons as well in the past too. So, um, yeah, like you, you look at the the pedigree within the conference. You're right. It is pretty sad to see what what is sort of happening here. Um, let's kind of dive back into a little bit more of the, the teams and individuals here. So we've hit on Florida State. Both you and I agree that they will be the champion out of the ACC. Uh, Clemson, we hit on North Carolina. Drake May, big season for him. A preseason All-American. He's he's going to be one of those names that we hear about come April. Is he going to be the number two through five pick in the NFL draft, assuming Caleb Williams goes number one? But Drake May is one of those names that you look at, and he puts up he's put up some gaudy, gaudy numbers in that Carolina offense. He just hasn't had a lot of defensive support. And yeah. it feels like he's one of those guys who's wrongly scapegoated because he hasn't had the ball last or he has to play overtime games. And the defense has just provided zero resistance and maybe is keeping him out of the Heisman. And here's the bad news, too. Like a secondary that already stunk, you only get one starter back. Uh, like and the those secondary... were the guys that were like the four, high four and five-star guys that Mac Brown was bringing in. Yeah, they have they added a All American from FCS, uh, Elijah Huzzy, but I, like I don't know if this is going to be an elite secondary, and that's just been the problem. Like all of these Mac Brown going back to the Sam Howell days, all of these Mac Brown North Carolina teams light shows on offense, and the back end of their defense it just everybody scores. It's a whorehouse the back end of the defense. <laughs> Like every you walk into the touchdown into the end zone, and I don't know if that changes this year. I don't know if they get a hugely meaningful pass rush. You, know, you have Miles Murphy at defensive tackle. Like I don't, I don't know how much better this team gets defensively, and if it can get them over the hump and into the like front of the ACC with Clemson, with Florida State, um, and some of the others. They're right there. Like they could contend. I could see them getting to ten wins. But it also feels like they're kind of the same team that they've been. We're eight and four, six and seven, nine and five, and you just lose some huge shootout games because you can't stop anybody. I mean, like think about the Wake Forest game two years ago that you win fifty-eight to fifty-five. Right. It's a lot of that. Well, even it's, like the App State game last year, too. Sixty-three, sixty-one. Yeah, right. It's, like it's a lot of that. Where and that's App you, State. You pro- now be fair. They did walk into uh, A and M and win at they College did. Station, but it does feel like 
there are so many games, the Notre Dame game, and that was a spiraling Notre Dame under a Marcus Freeman who looked like was way out of his, out of his yeah. mind. And you give up 45 points and you lose that game and breathe life into Notre Dame as a program. Like, there's just so many games you can look to where the defense failed them, and I don't think they're better enough in any of those defensive units, particularly the secondary, for me to believe the story is going to be any different. You know what's funny is we, we talked about how there's like a bunch of four at the top, and I think there's four teams that that are going to be like in the hunt for the ACC title game, and, and it's Florida State, it's Clemson, it's North Carolina, and it's Miami. But I think of these four... I think North Carolina has like an almost 0% chance of actually winning the ACC title. Even though they would have the least of the four. I think they're going to be in the hunt for it. They'll certainly be an electrifying team, but they have an almost non-zero chance or an almost zero chance of, of actually winning the ACC title. Did you mention Miami as a member of that four? Yes. Mm -hmm. Because I would also bring up Pittsburgh and Louisville as potentially getting into there. Louisville, I'm less in Pitt. I think could do it. Like they have a good defensive minded coach and Pat Narduzzi. He's been there a long time. You've got some starters back on both sides of the ball. Not a ton, but quarterback play should be improved. Like this might be a six team deep top of the division with Pitt and Louisville added in. And it wouldn't shock me if North Carolina is sixth. I feel like they'll, because North Carolina can win shootouts. And I think that there's still – I don't know if if you can get six teams that can win shootouts with them. Like a few can win against North Carolina. Um, but I think now, especially with um, with Drake May in, a, in what is this, his junior season now. Um, sophomore. Just, or sophomore season. Or redshirt sophomore, right? Yeah. Because he's draft eligible. Like with another year of experience for him – I think he'll learn to close a few more games. I'm not going to say he's going to close every single one, but he'll learn the way to like manage the clock so he knows he can get the ball back last. And then he'll feel pretty confident about leading drives at that point. Schedule at Pitt, at Clemson, at NC State. Eight and a half's the number. You can get plus 122 if you like the over. I probably lean over, but it's tough. Because of the juice? I don't. Yeah, because of the juice. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm getting value on them, and all they got to do is win nine games, I just the schedule's really hard, and I have no faith in this defense. Like, I wouldn't bet that just to get plus one twenty two. That's a no bet. That, to me, this is a team that could win seven or eight games, despite generational quarterback play. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to Miami. He's they're the the fourth of the four that we've really talked about as, as true contenders to win it all here in the ACC. Um, Miami they are coming off a, a good season under Mario Cristobal in his first year with Miami. They are now with another year of Tyler Van Dyke. Again, the the motto on him has always been health. Can he stay healthy? When he's been healthy, he's been pretty solid. Um, but there's a lot to like about this Miami team. We talked a little bit about it. They've obviously, across all sports, have seemingly bought those teams. And like it or not, that's the team they're going to be rolling out on the field on Saturdays. All right? Yeah. So you're just going to have to deal with it. It's How a about new 19 era of starters? Football. 
19 returning starters, that's and they're big. all bag getters. That's, <laughs> that's what you want, baby, when you're at Miami. Like, the biggest thing that stands out to me, because I don't know if they're going to win the ACC. I think they have a chance. I think they'll be as entertaining a watch as anyone, and I think they're probably as talented as anyone in the country. Um, it's just the idea, like top to bottom talent but they don't have any huge like star they don't have big standout talent anywhere on this team mario cristobal i can't stand as an in-game coach like i just can't stand him but when you look at the schedule one game jumps out at you and it is september 9th week two texas a&m miami in college station the nil bowl that is theater. The bad that is ball. college football theater. Jimbo Fisher versus Mario Cristobal from College Station with billions of dollars on the field. In the That's stands, That's what we yeah. want to see. <laughs> like, those suites, that may be the most, um, the highest net worth suite uh, if you wrap around the stadium, that may be the highest value uh, in terms of net worth in the suites of any college football game we've ever seen. It's You'll have multiple oil tycoons. You've got the oil guys, and then you've just got the South Beachers, like the, the South Beach mega real estate people. I, that's that's theater there. That's one game that I cannot wait to watch. Yeah. Um, Tyler Van Dyke, I've seen enough. Like I need him to be healthy. Uh, but again, it's just you look at this team and bring them back 19 starters. They should make noise in the ACC. But do you really believe that they could genuinely win this conference? I'd put them. I'd put them as probably my fourth of the four. Uh, no, I'd probably put them uh, slightly ahead of um, UNC. Like I do think this comes down to Clemson and, and Florida State when it's all said and done. Um, I think Miami's certainly in the the conversation. Um, obviously, the the no division sort of hurts them because then you're just kind of jockeying against North Carolina to get to that game. But outside of that, like you now that now that it's an open race, I think that certainly hurts them. Like if we were talking about the old uh, coastal and Atlantic the the divisions. Then I think that the the coast the coastal certainly was something that Miami could have swooped up because then it could just come down to what'd you do against North Carolina? Yeah, I think it also they drew a terrible schedule. Like if you've at North Carolina, at NC State, at Florida State, you have the home game against Clemson. You've got to play everyone. You've got Louisville coming to town. You don't get a breather October 14th until the last game of the season at Boston College. You don't get a breather. There's no buy in there. There's nothing easy in there. It is a straight-up gauntlet of the best teams in your conference. Like I just think things – could they do it next year? I'd almost expect them to with the amount of financial yeah, that's you, going you, into this program. You'd but imagine year, a quarterback would, see it. Yeah, you'd imagine a quarterback would hop in there. So their win total set at seven and a half, heavy juice to the under there, minus one forty two plus was one sixteen for the over seven and a half. I would say like a juice. This would be a juice play for me. I'd probably take the over with the plus one sixteen. Yeah. Um, if you're making me better, yeah, yeah, just because of the the number there, but I I probably think this is probably a I would say I think it's an eight win football team. I do. Anything you want to offer up on your orange before we get out of here? 
Um, boy, that, that that was the purge out of Central New York. Whether it was coaches, whether it was talent, like this is a, a program that has put in some solid NFL players the last couple of years. Um, you lose an All American running back. You're losing some big time defenders as well. Like Syracuse, for what they have been promoted as the last couple of years, they, everyone thinks offense when it comes to Syracuse, but their defense has actually been the backbone. Like they've put a lot of defensive players into the NFL lately. And you had a guy transfer, or two guys transfer out, one to Nebraska, I believe, and then the other to Ohio State. Um, and then you lose a couple guys to the NFL. Um, so the defense has been decimated. You lose Tony White, who is the best coach on that entire staff. He's gone to go uh, coach for Matt Rule out at Nebraska. Um, and then you lose your offensive coordinator to, to take a lateral move to, to go to NC State, Robert and I. Um, and a, a lot of people pump the tires of Garrett Schrader, their quarterback, he ain't anything, all right? He, he throws the ball like a baseball. He's a better runner than he is a thrower. He, he he looks just woefully unprepared and rattled. He can't throw the football unless he's getting outside the pocket. So I think it's going to be a, a long, long season for the Syracuse. Um, I, let me check. What is their, their win total here? It is... It is six and a half heavy juice on the under there. I would I would take the juice and ride with it. I, w- I this is not a bowl team. This are is you a, far from a bowl team. Are, are you a Dino Babers uh, guy? I would have fired him three years ago. Yeah, I figured you would say because that. this is a guy. He came in preaching we're going to be an offense that moves, moves tempo, 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 and now they're they're like every other offense in America. They're slow and methodical, and you don't have a guy that can. Lo- you, you don't you don't play your best quarterback. All right, your best quarterback is currently your second stringer. I feel like he's a perennial hot seat guy too. Yes, like it just and, feels like Dino Babers is never off of the hot seat. And here's the thing that's been the problem: there is they won't fire him because of the fact that they gave him the contract after the 2018 season, a, a huge contract. I don't think the financials have ever come out because they're a private school, um, but he's got a huge deal, and the buyout is ridiculous. And for these boosters at Syracuse, they don't care about the football program enough to yeah. pay something like that and then pay another coach on top of that. So that's that's the nature of the a, sport anymore. You it's get somebody a stuck a big program out and you're, you're stuck with them. Not to mention probably the worst recruiting uh, advantages of anyone in the Power Five it is probably the toughest place to recruit in in all of Power Five. It's probably between them and BC, the toughest yeah, places. Of their top 20 signees, uh, eight of them are somebody anybody cares about at all. Yeah. And honestly, that number is higher than it usually is. So Rough going in Syracuse, <laughs> New York. The yeah. two of us. Usually is. Years. Usually is, is. Maybe we'll meet up in the pinstripe bowl, though. Uh, yeah, and then we'll go. And then we, we'll have to go. We will have to go and do a live show from, from Yankee Stadium. All right. That is going to do it for us. Big 12 next week? You want to do Big, Big 12 next week? Let's save the Pac-12 for last. We'll yeah. save the worst for last. Yeah. All right. That way, if one of us is sick, we don't have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we will preview the Big 12 next week here on the Chicago's College Tailgate podcast. And then, of course, we will have our complete wrap-up show as we really dive into what the college football playoff could look like. So be sure to subscribe if you're not already. 
Thank you for anyone that's been watching us on YouTube as well. Like, rate, and review. Comment as well. We'd love to interact with you all. You can follow him at Shane Norling on Twitter, myself at Tyler Aki underscore, and we'll talk to you guys next week.